0: So on today's episode of yours mentally we're going to be talking about CPTSD. So a lot of us have heard about PTSD right which is post-traumatic stress disorder but not a lot of us have heard about CPTSD and you know know exactly what it is. CPTSD is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So on this episode we talk entirely in depth about CPTSD and learn all about it. I would personally recommend if you could listen to this entire episode because there was so much to learn and take back from it. This episode is in conversation with Shania Boyce, who's a counselling psychologist. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. So on today's episode where we talk about complex post-traumatic stress disorder, Shania, what is CPTSD and what are the causes of CPTSD?
1: So we all know PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. That's basically generally related to a single event, while complex PTSD or CPTSD is related to a series of traumatic events or one long or prolonged traumatic event. Mm -hmm. The types of traumatic events that can cause complex PTSD include child abuse, neglect or abandonment, ongoing domestic violence or abuse, basically repeatedly witnessing violence or abuse. So Mm -hmm. when you're subject to trauma for a long persistent period of time with no relief, you can get diagnosed with
0: CPTSD. Right. So, Shania, can you tell me what the difference between PTSD and CPTSD is?
1: Right. So, as mentioned earlier, PTSD is usually an occurrence after a single traumatic event, while CPTSD is associated with repeated trauma. Events that lead to PTSD include serious accident, a traumatic childbirth experience, such as losing a baby, a sexual assault, of one time and events that may lead to cptsd include uh experiencing abuse as a child growing up so long period right a long term ongoing domestic violence ongoing kidnapping after like you know a long period of time where day after day the person is traumatized because of the kidnapping being a victim okay. to kidnapping so basically trauma occurred at an early age inflicted by someone who is close to you or someone who you have like a relationship with that continues over a period of time, then CPTSD is diagnosed.
0: Right. So, Shanae, you just spoke about PTSD, right? So, can you tell me the behaviors that people exhibit when they suffer from PTSD?
1: So, first of all, there are symptoms. So, like re-experiencing the trauma, having recurrent flashbacks and nightmares random people random places or thoughts can act as recurrent triggers and remind you of the trauma so you'll be at the most random place you'll see a brick wall and that will remind you of the incident where you had a brick wall for example and that can trigger you so it's very very sensitive then changes in your mood appetite and thinking including feeling distant from other people and having overwhelming negative emotions is also something that someone experiences or could experience and the mood change is such that you feel on edge all the time you're irritable all the time you're easily frightened like a loud bang for example can remind you of war time for example if you are a if you were in the army once hmm. right that also causes a lot of trauma for some people most people hmm. actually so a lot of gunshots you you then once come back from the army and after serving your time. The army, you could like a vessel with clang and fall on the floor and you'll jump. So, in simple words, that's how I can explain it. And basically difficulty concentrating, difficulty sleeping. It's just like you're on edge, on hyper alert all the time. Some people develop certain behaviors that are an attempt to manage their symptoms. So obviously these symptoms can be extremely mentally exhausting and later on physically exhausting. So then people develop coping mechanisms to deal with or forget about the trauma and emotional pain. So hopefully they can be healthy if taken care of. However, most times they resort to unhealthy coping mechanisms because that's what they seem to understand that they uh, need at that point of time. So for example, abusing alcohol or drugs, lashing out at minor criticisms and becoming extremely defensive and also self-harm are some of the behaviors that are seen
0: okay so Shania, can you sort of elaborate on the concept of dissociation and why traumatic events lead to it
1: so dissociation as a concept commonly goes along with traumatic events and ptsd So it sometimes acts as an avoidance coping mechanism and usually happens because of a traumatic event taking place. Being powerless to do anything or change or stop a traumatic event may lead people to disconnect from the situation to cope with the feelings of helplessness, the feelings of fear and pain that one goes through after experiencing a traumatic event. So you may feel extremely disconnected from your thoughts, feelings, memories, surroundings, and it can affect your sense of identity as well as your perception of time. Mm-hmm. Dissociation basically ranges in intensity so it can begin with something commonly known as zoning out or uh, innocent daydreaming. Not That's different from maladaptive daydreaming by the way mm-hmm. which is another concept I won't get into and it can go all the way to the extreme of DID which is dissociative identity disorder. Cool. Uh-huh. But then- Treatment for DID would include integrated function and fusion of the person's multiple identities, individual names, memories, likes, dislikes, etc. Everything that is associated with that person's personalities.
0: So Shania, a common symptom of PTSD is lack of trust or difficulty with relationships. Why do you think we have these issues?
1: So it's understandable, right? Because complex PTSD can cause a person to view themselves negatively and feel helpless or guilty or ashamed. They often consider themselves to be different from other people. When you, that happens, there's changes in beliefs and the worldview in general, as well as the internal self-view. So people with this can then hold a negative view of the world and people in it or then lose faith in previously held beliefs, because now it doesn't make any sense. Because for example, someone who goes through, let's say sexual abuse, they believe in God and they believe that God is someone who would be there for them at the times of, trouble and take them out of the trouble right Mm -hmm, that's a very common belief so but then they've gone through the sexual abuse they'll be like what the hell where was god when i needed him Mm -hmm. right or her or it or whatever the concept of god is by that person Mm -hmm. so just like that they lose belief in previously held beliefs does that make sense
0: yeah 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 i i kind of understand that so what do you say sort of lose touch with reality like
1: um loose touch of reality would be a form of dissociation which would uh-huh. technically be derealization mm-hmm. which type and depersonalization which is a type where they don't literally they don't understand that that's themselves or yeah. uh, that they're looking at so in relationship issues relationships may suffer due to difficulties trusting and interacting and because of a negative self-view so the person with the condition then may develop unhealthy relationships because they are what the person has known in the past. Mm-hmm. So for example, just feeling that I do not deserve to have uh, someone who loves me mm-hmm. with a, con- a constant or I deserve to be abandoned. Who am I? With abuse and uh, trauma, or there's always feelings of guilt that I could have done something to prevent it. How could I have been that stupid? Mm-hmm. And that's when you think about it ridiculous, because the victim of abuse could not have done anything and they need to be kinder to themselves but they do go through guilt it's obvious it's understandable that they would feel that it's only again their body's way and their mind's way of being like you are the wrong one you are the negative person when that's in fact not true at all
0: okay so shania say a person is suffering from cptsd so do you think that person in romantic relationships stays like away from relationships like as a whole or like they look for multiple relationships
1: so that's actually a quest- a good question, and that would completely depend upon also the attachment style, because some people are very avoidant. Maybe uh-huh. the incident could get them to be more avoidant, or then the in- incident could make them feel anxious and want to cling on to relationships and make want to be their saving grace of stability. Mm. So that's very dependent on the person and how the incident impacts them and what their coping is towards it but primarily for example again taking sexual abuse if someone has been then it's very difficult for them to be comfortable in a relationship in a sexual intimate relationship mm-hmm. or it's difficult for them to trust or then the other extreme can also be there where they stop giving it the in- the intimacy a meaning and they just want to have meaningless sex right oh, okay. so yeah. like i said it could go anyway you can't predict who can
0: go cool. this actually reminds me of the movie uh i mean not not the cpt as you got fit but the meaningless sexism in that movie to all the boys i've loved the part three of it
1: i haven't uh, seen it yet
0: <laughs> yeah nah, it's like she she sort of wants to have sexism because she thinks that you know she has very less time with him because they're going to do long distance movies mm-hmm, yes so the sex is meaningless and it was not out of you know love or whatever
1: But a lot of people do feel and find comfort in meaningless sex and that's okay as long as there is consent between both
0: parties. Both of them, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So meaningless sex is fine for some people. It doesn't work, for example, for me, it doesn't work. But it depends on each individual person. So much to the extent of the fact that they could be even demisexual where until and unless they create an emotional connection, they... Mm cannot have any intimate relationship physically so everything is individualistic and everything has their own history so it's so important not to generalize
0: so shanaya on up till now we've spoken about what cptsd is now can you tell me some mental health illnesses that cptsd can lead to
1: so there are various comorbidities that like every mental illness cptsd can further lead to depression and anxiety self-esteem issues issues with drugs substance abuse, alcohol issues, etc. Eating disorders even. Suicidal thoughts and actions, self-harm.
0: Right. Lastly, Shania, can you tell me how is CPTSD treated? Like, what can a lay person do to help a close one suffering from CPTSD?
1: So, each person goes through their own specificity of trauma, their own experiences of the incidents that have caused the trauma, and their own reactions and their own coping mechanisms that their mind and body can deal with best at that point of time mm-hmm. so like i said earlier it's very individualistic however all you need to do an easier said than done but it should come as a norm by now be kind like don't give the advice or a list of things to do or how could you cope better on your two penny bits unless they're asked and most importantly do not do not ask them to describe the incident or any questions regarding recalling the incident because that can re trigger the person and really cause them more harm. So, unless it's a trained professional where the individual's going to work on how to cope with the trauma, even the trained professional shouldn't ask them to recount the incident in detail because it's counterproductive and there's no point. And that'll just harm the person way more. So, yeah, that's something some people can do. But, therapy wise, so the answer for the treatments would be trauma therapies, like EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Medications are suggested if therapy alone does not help coping. And Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, CBT, for altering distortions. So if they're thought-provoking, then CBT mm. of traumatic approaches should be used.
0: So, you know, what the part you said, don't ask them details about their what happened to them. Mm-hmm. So I actually read a post on Instagram that says, when I agitatedly respond, I am fine chances are I am not. And if you keep poking me with your stringent question of are you okay, then that would take me back to the weighing grief already exposed and cut out and open with devious air fanning out as much pain as it can. The memory monster would even transform the warm mornings into cold slit of chilly nights, leaving a bitter taste on the tip of my tongue with a lamenting moisture in my eyes. So, instead, just be with me.
1: That's beautiful. This person is clearly a gifted writer. And, um... (laughs) But yeah, absolutely. That's very well said and very well depicted because it does cause a lot of additional stress and re-triggering trauma when they're asked to remember something because it makes it more real, na, Aman? Like yeah. when... Yeah, any anyway, which is a lot of coping mechanisms generally uh, consist of people trying to forget that it happened or don't want to believe that it even happened in the first place. Mm-hmm. So of course, therapists need to kind of allow them to come to terms with the fact that yes, it did happen, and no, it was not your fault in any way. Yeah. But that incident does not define you. That incident yeah. doesn't make you stronger. Like a lot of people say, "Oh, your trauma made you stronger." That is so absolute bullshit I'm sorry to say because Mm. your trauma doesn't make you stronger the strength that you had already within you is what helped you face and go through that trauma
0: yeah I I agree with
1: you yeah yeah, so it's very important for you to understand and not give your two cents because you do not understand however much you say I understand and I empathize Mm -hmm. even as a therapist you cannot understand if you haven't gone through it what that person has gone through Mm -hmm. first hand right
0: yeah
1: so i think the only upper hand that a therapist would have is the fact that they know how to deal with it in the most sensitive way possible and really understand not to re-trigger them in any way all a learning process so a lay person like you asked in my last question should Mm -hmm. definitely not ask them or give them advice because they don't know what they need so ask them what they need don't assume that they need advice they need an outlet they need to talk about it or they need to distract themselves ask the person what they need do they yeah, just right. want them to sit with them like this this person in in the post you read out to me very mm. beautifully said. like you know mm. sometimes you just need someone to just be next to you that you're mm. not alone
0: yeah yeah i agree and i feel like this anyone in general should not be giving any advice in in, form of, in in the form of a solution i'd say because even in therapy they don't give you solutions to mm-hmm. any any traumatic events right they just yeah they just there to hear you out and they don't really give you solutions because that's not, that's not how you deal with traumatic events. Like, you know, you can't, uh, there's no solution to it as such. You can't.
1: So solution focused therapy is a completely different form. Yeah, um, yeah. And advice given is a different form, which some therapists use. I'm strictly against advice giving because it only gets the person extremely dependent on the therapist. And then it's a mm-hmm. lifelong process and that's counterproductive again on your pocket, on your time, yeah. on dependence, overall so of course it depends on what kind of therapist you go to and what their approach is but Mm -hmm. in trauma more than giving a solution it's about how to help them develop healthier coping mechanisms like we spoke about behaviors that people exhibit they are generally maladaptive like substance abuse and etc etc because that's the way they know how to cope but if they go to a therapist, a therapist's duty is to give them better, healthier coping mechanisms and deal with the grief, deal with the the loss that they feel of themselves due to the abuse and due to the yeah. trauma, right? So yeah. dealing with all of that, it's it's a very meticulous process. And it depends on each one's situation and journey, but to be handled with extreme amounts of care.
0: And I think this also reminds me of that, you know, about people saying that, you know, why have you kept this all in your mind? Just let it out, you feel better. I don't think every time that you let something out, you really feel better. I On
1: think the a contrary. Chance, <laughs>
0: yeah. And the chances are that you actually feel
1: uh-uh. Yeah, so, exactly. Especially so, yeah. for incidents like this. Because yeah. if you talk about it, it's like you're re-experiencing it, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think that was, a, that was a quite an interesting episode. A lot to learn, I think, for myself and even for people listening. Awesome. Something new. And uh, very important, like I said. So, thank you, Shanaya, for being with us today.
1: You're very uh, welcome. Thank you for uh, having me. And
0: to everyone who's listening, clear. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys in the next episode.